Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Podcast SG Fun, a podcast where we watch uh, Stargate SG-1 and uh, talk about it. I am your co-host Kel, and I'm joined by my good friend uh, Chris. Say hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. Well, all right. I guess everyone saw that gag coming. (laughs) We are on episode uh, two, season one, episode two today, The Enemy Within. You know what? Honestly, kind of a heartbreaker, but we're going to get into that. Okay. But yeah, man. So this episode, I mean, let's just get into it. The whole thing kicks off with... Hold on, on, Kill. I want to ask you a question before we start. Oh, snap. I guess I was just kind of rushing into the show. I'm real excited (laughs) to talk about it. Ask away. Hit me. How much do you hate me having to reset my audio settings inside of Discord every time we want to talk on Discord? (laughs) It's, (laughs) It's honestly... It's one of the funniest and most frustrating things. Every single time that you and I get on a Discord call, it doesn't matter if we just talked hours ago. Somehow your audio settings have reverted into some sort of black hole that you have to go fish through and pull them out of just so I can hear you. Come on, Discord. Give me a break. Yeah, honestly, Discord, uh, I do wish that they made their um, audio settings just a little bit easier to to get to and adjust quickly. But uh, I guess that's just uh, the price you pay when you've got multiple inputs, outputs. Fair enough. All right. So, yeah. So you ready to to get into this episode, The Enemy Within? Yeah, man, I'm ready. Couple things about this episode that I have taken notes of. I'm just a couple funny things, and we'll get into them whenever it happens. But I may surprise you with some of them. So, but uh, hopefully they're uh, they'll drum up some gigs, some giggles whenever it happens. So. <laughs> Fair enough, man. Well, so uh, this episode kicks off. We're in the SGC, hanging out with uh, Hammond, uh, Jack, and Kowalski. They're all looking at the uh, the star map, talking about which planet they're going to go to next. And they they you know, they make a couple little jokes about this one, about which planet they're going to go to. Jack says he's partial to one, but it's okay if Kowalski wants to take it. Uh, <laughs> although they have literally no idea what's in store for either of them on these planets. But uh, we talk about that a little bit, and then stuff kind of kicks off. We find that the Stargate opens up on its own. We got an inbound traveler alert. So, of course, uh, immediately they throw on the iris, um, and then we, we see something kind of interesting. Hammond <laughs> sets up a self-destruct sequence, I guess, just in case the worst comes to worst, the iris opens up. They want to be able to destroy the SGC and uh, you know take out whatever's trying to come through the gate unauthorized. But it seems like the, uh, the Gould are actually doing, I guess, a bit of a bombing run on the SGC. Yeah. Uh, luckily, the iris, of course, is in place. Nothing getting through that. What is it? Three microns from the surface of the event horizon or something? I actually, uh, I wrote it down. Three micrometers. Again. Three micrometers. Yeah. I, I guess that's supposed to mean that uh, it's it's so close. It's so close that uh, <laughs> matter simply can't reconstitute on the other end. A funny thing about this scene is where is, pray tell, trivia time, where is the SGC located? I mean, Cheyenne Mountain, Wyoming. We know that. Okay. Do you know what else is in the Cheyenne Mountain complex? No. What? Uh, a little thing that I like to call NORAD. So, <laughs> Well, and, and wasn't that the kind of the inspiration that the Stargate took uh, when coming up with the, the SGC was the, the idea of it being very much like NORAD buried underneath this giant mountain? Right. 
But what's funny about it is, if you think about it, every single time, and it, it happens in this scene twice, that the self-destruct sequence is activated. Everyone in that mountain, including Norad, has three minutes before they're going to die. That is true. Hammond's just popping this thing. Like, is he in command of the entire mountain or just the SGC? This is, these are the questions, Kel. These are the questions. <laughs> oh, so you're saying that in this universe, NORAD and the SGC are both located within the same complex. I, I'm just going to go ahead and assume because Stargate is like kind of a spiritual, I think it's a spiritual uh, sequel to um, Independence Day. Like, did you know that? I did not know that, no. So the guy who did Independence Day, I think is Roland Emmerich, right? Because we right. subscribe to the Church of Roland Emmerich. <laughs> he did Independence Day. I, I think I might have them backwards, actually. Hold on one second. So his filmography is... Yeah, so he did Stargate first and then did Independence Day. So Stargate came out first. And he couldn't get the rights to make another movie, so he just turned around and did Independence Day. That's why... Oh, okay. So Independence Day is kind of a spiritual successor to Stargate, is what you're saying. Yeah. So that's way. why okay. some of the, the technology looks kind of the same in the movies. But they blow up NORAD in Independence Day. Oh, uh, that's... <laughs> so. They do. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. So just, just a little funny thing. But yeah, let's get back to the uh, episode. Yeah. So the the big thing that we notice here is, uh, you know, after the gate closes back up and, you know, they stand down the self-destruct sequence, we get a little bit of a pan over to Kowalski, who's doing that very typical movie trope like, oh, I've got a headache. I'm going to kind of rub the back of my neck and my head slightly <laughs> just to let everyone know on screen. Yes, I have a headache. So he does that. So we know he's got a headache. Something's going on with Kowalski, but we're not quite sure what it is yet. I mean... I guess we could guess. But yeah, yeah. this is kind of a throw off, uh, a little throw off scene. They're like, you know, I've got a headache. And then Jack's telling him to get down to the infirmary, get it checked out. And he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to do that. It hurts pretty bad. So yeah, so Kowalski heads down to the sick bay. And then as we exit the scene, we get yet another inbound traveler coming through the Stargate, trying to bomb the iris and get through. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like it happens twice within the first I think it's the cold open, right? It, yeah, <laughs> like, this is all in the cold open. This is the cold open is uh, is the Gould two times trying to get through the gate. And, and we get from the context of the scene that this is probably not the first you know time that they've done this. It seems like they've been maybe dealing with this for a little bit. There is a, a interesting little bit where uh, uh, Sam and Jack are talking about the uh, the self-destruct. Like, you know, what happens if they do get through the iris? And Sam says, well, I mean, it won't be a problem because uh, this entire mountain will be completely vaporized. <laughs> so again, yeah, we're just going to go ahead and uh, and blow up the whole damn thing just in case somebody gets through and everyone okay. only has three minutes to get out. Do me a favor. Go to... 20 no go to 18 seconds all right 18 seconds i am there okay watch from 18 seconds to 28 seconds all right and just watch just watch hammond's face <laughs> that's great yeah like, it's, that, it's that face of like I mean, you guys can talk this out. I don't give a shit. I'm going to tell you to go where I want you to go. <laughs> yeah, definitely for sure. So. <laughs> oh, no, that's fantastic. Now, we get through the the cold open, and, uh, of course, we get the the classic intro. I will never I, – I love the Stargate music, and, I, and I'm sure we've talked about that, and we're going to talk about it a million times, but that theme song is one of my favorite in sci-fi. 
Yeah, I hum it occasionally. I mean, I will say it is as iconic as, say, Star Trek opening theme. I'd agree with that. Coming back after the intro, we uh, we cut back into the SGC. We got Jack going into uh, Colonel Hammond's office. Colonel Hammond is giving Jack a bit of bad news. You know, as we know, Jack really wants Teal'c to join the SG-1 team. And uh, Hammond is breaking the bad news that it's not going to happen. They've got someone coming in, a Colonel Kennedy from the Pentagon, to actually interrogate Teal'c. That's a General Hammond, by the way. What did I say? You said Colonel. (laughs) Oh, God. I demoted the man. That (laughs) is atrocious. (laughs) Uh, Like, way, yeah, way down. Uh, Yeah, yeah. so, yeah, General Hammond lets Jack know that uh, Tilk's not going to be able to join the team, that instead Colonel Kennedy is coming down from the Pentagon to interrogate and experiment on him because they want to learn more about this uh, little uh, alien wormy worm that happens to be living in Tilk's tum-tum. Yeah, and we get the first of many O'Neill Hammond conversations where Jack says, with all due respect, like at the beginning of almost every sentence he says, because <laughs> Which is he's always, gonna yeah. say something that's disrespectful. <laughs> yes, he is every time. Anytime he starts with with all due respect, it is gonna be immediately followed up with something <laughs> incredibly disrespectful. For sure. Yeah. Uh well yeah, which is exactly what happens. You know, we find out that they're wanting to kind of experiment on him, like I said, find out more about uh, what's going on with this uh, Gould. I guess Jack decides that he needs to go break the news to Teal'c himself. Yeah, they go. They have their first, I think, real sit down. Jack comes in. He pulls that elementary school level plastic chair out from that table. Like, this is a military complex. We can't have nicer chairs in here. <laughs> I, we were on a budget, Chris. We were on a budget. I'm surprised he didn't do like the he didn't sit. In the chair backwards. That, because that is like. very much the, the vibe that he's bringing to the table during this scene when he's talking to Tilk. It, it is that, it's that, hey, buddy, let me let me get on your level. Let's let's talk about something real. Hey, pal. <laughs> we do learn that uh, Tilk thinks that what they're going to, the Gould are going to continue bombing through the Stargate uh, at least a couple more times. And then once they have done that, they would likely try to send in warriors to, you know, check out the damage and make sure that they've obliterated everything, maybe do some cleanup, which is interesting because with the iris in place, they wouldn't reconstitute. They would just get crushed inside of the gate. Yeah, they would cease to exist on a molecular level. They just disappear. It's trying to teach us, you know, we're getting a little bit of uh, tech lore here. If you go into the gate and then the gate turns off or you don't get reconstituted on the other side, you you dead. You de yeah. de dead. Which, I mean, that kind of gets contradicted, like, in season six, I think. But we'll talk about that <laughs> when it happens. So. Yeah, and it's not like this show never went back and retconned some things. <clears throat> Zappers. <Yeah. laughs> What's that? Cold? <laughs> you, you get some ice on you when you leave the Stargate kill? <laughs> no, you don't. Oh, uh, all in all, I think uh, Teal'c, I mean, this is kind of par for the course for Teal'c, but he's been being pretty chill about being told at this point he is basically a prisoner, even though all he wants to do is help. Uh, you know, and Jack knows this. Jack knows that Teal'c is there to help. They got to convince the upper brass that it's uh, it's worth it. I mean, they still see Teal'c as this alien intruder that is potentially dangerous to the entire planet Earth, especially the United States of America. Well, he's also an asset you know, be it physical or an intelligence asset. He does, he's not a citizen of the earth. 
So, like, essentially, he's a foreign intruder who just happens to be under lock and key. I just, yeah, I just want to point out, didn't Jack say that Teal could stay at his place? Like, is this where Jack lives? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he practically does. I I think we only ever see him in his house a couple of times. Most of the time, he's always just in the SGC. Right. They talk about that, that he could stay with him. Teal says he is going to prove his allegiance to the United States, to the SGC, and to Jack, and that uh, after he gets out, he really wants Jack to show him Earth. He wants to check out this planet that he's now living on he hasn't seen very much of yet. That's fair. That's fair. Let's uh, let's go see the world's biggest ball of strain. <laughs> you know, Tilk would probably love that. <laughs> he would probably be super into that. He would find some way to make that the most exciting part of his day. As excited as Tilk actually ever gets about things. You know, after they, uh, you know, Jack leaves after talking to Teal, we cut back over to the Med Bay. Is that what we call it? Is it the Med Bay? I know that's that's probably more of a Star Trek reference, but uh, I don't know what else to call it. If I remember correctly, if you are on a base, it's an infirmary. Mm, the medical it. bay, I think, is a place strictly devoted for naval vernacular. Well, that makes sense. We'll call it the infirmary then. <laughs> so Kowalski is down in the infirmary doing the the holding the back of the head thing. I've got a headache. Doc Warner is actually there checking him out. Oh, no. Oh, no, this it's not, not Doc Warner. Yeah, you're right. No. It's not Dark Doc Warner yet. You got a different Doc, I guess we, a bit of a red shirt Doc, a, kind of a throwaway Doc at this point, because he's checking out Kowalski, and then all of a sudden we figure out exactly what is going on with Kowalski, and it's pretty obvious, you know, when the eyes glow, it means alien. Yeah, he's suffering from glowy eye syndrome. Very glowy eye syndrome. (laughs) It's looking like whenever he was on that planet uh, before they came back over, a Gould managed to get inside of him and uh, take him over. So he his eyes light up, and the first thing he does is kill the human in front of him. (laughs) Yes. He just snaps this dude's. Is this how you break necks? Like I don't understand. I've never broken a neck. Never had my neck broken myself. But do you just grab someone by the throat, wrap your fingers around them, and just twist really hard? Is that how you do it? I guess so, because he did it with one hand, too. It wasn't even like a two-handed neck neck snap. Like you said, he just grabs him by the throat, holds him up in the air a little bit, and then just kind of does a little twist, and dude's dead. The the subtitles say, neck snaps. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, this doctor is, his name is Dr. Nimziki. Literally not an important character, but he is a funny piece of trivia that I will bring up later. Excellent. In a couple episodes. (laughs) You know, it's it's interesting to me. I just realized, you know, I wonder if this like neck snap technique that this uh, Gould uses, uh, I mean, I wonder if that's kind of like on par with like being able to crack an egg with one hand and throw it into the frying pan. That's a good one. I can, I'm really good at that. I'm awful so. at it. I can't do it. I can barely crack open a regular egg with two hands and not get a bunch of shells and stuff in it. <laughs> this is this is quality pod. It's quality pod right here. All right. So we get Kowalski's. It's not really Kowalski at this point, right? It's, it's a ghoul right. taking over his body. Kills the doc. And then just makes a beeline for the gate room and just begins standing awkwardly in front of the Stargate, just just looking into it. I guess trying to figure out how to turn it on. You know, there's no dial home device on Earth that is usually used for these Stargates. So he has he doesn't know yet, I guess, how to actually kick this thing on. But yeah, he's just standing there with his arms slightly out. The rest of SG-1 rush into the gate room or going, what the hell are you doing? Why are you just standing in front of this gate acting like a super weirdo? Yeah. By this point, 
you know, I guess Kowalski's back to himself, uh, turns around and starts talking to Jack. Did you want to add something there? No, you nailed it. <laughs> I, I Well, I mean, I guess I should say, so he interrupts a meeting where Daniel and Carter are explaining how to use the DHD. I think they literally say it's like a telephone. <laughs> yeah. It's not called the DHD just yet. It, it, I think we're like in the proximity of what the DHD will become. So Right. So Kowalski's feeling real weird <laughs> now that uh, he's kind of back to himself, wondering how he got to the gate room, why he blacked out. So we get another doctor coming in, this time Dr. Warner. Um, he slides in and uh, says that he uh, he wants to get an MRI done. I just remember at the time thinking, I cannot wait to see what that MRI looks like <laughs> with a gould wrapped up inside his head. Yeah, while I was on my honeymoon last week oh yeah you just got back from your honeymoon i forgot about that man uh con- so first of all congratulations obviously yet again not that i've said it enough <laughs> thanks man but yeah you got a, had a little cruisy time yeah it was fun you know but while i was on the boat i watched a movie because you get you can get movies in your room it's like a hotel and i watched venom with oh the tom very, hardy yeah with our very favorite tom hardy and he there's a scene where he goes into an mri right and maybe it's just me, but anytime on television or in a movie, when someone goes into an MRI, something bad happens. So. Always. Yeah, no, yeah. you're you're absolutely right. It's, it is a commonly used, like, we're going to create some suspense by getting someone stuck in this MRI or something happening in this MRI. Exactly, yeah. Cut away from the infirmary, we meet Colonel Kennedy, who has just arrived to the SGC to start uh, questioning and, uh, you know, talking to Tilk, trying to figure out some more information about the uh, enemy Gould. Right. And so this is Colonel Kennedy. Did you recognize this guy from anything? I did not, no. Do you remember the movie Showgirls? You know, I've never actually watched Showgirls. (laughs) I missed that one. Okay. He's just a character in it. Never mind. (laughs) Let's see. Colonel Kennedy played by Alan... Uh, Rackins, mm-hmm. also known for his work, of course, like you said, in Showgirls, L.A. Law, and apparently Dharma and Greg. <laughs> oh, man, that's a nice little credit to have. One of your big claims to fame being in Dharma and Greg in 97. What is Dharma and Greg? I've never even heard of that. Oh, man, it was a sitcom that ran for a really long time, actually. 119 episodes? Yeah, dude, that thing was on for a long time. So the whole concept was you had this uh, free spirit hippie girl that uh, falls in love with a, you know, suit and tie wearing, I think he was like an accountant or something, you know, a very boring guy. They fall in love and then all of those episodes were just about them being complete opposites that fell in love. Why can't they just work it out? (laughs) I don't think they ever did, Chris. I don't think they ever did. (laughs) Well, I've never seen it, so I hope it, I hope it doesn't work out. <laughs> All right, so Colonel Qu- uh, Colonel Kennedy is, uh, you know, is trying to question Teal, trying to find out some more about the Gould technology, and I think there's actually something really interesting here that uh, that Tilk says. You know, when when Colonel Kennedy says, uh, you know, if Tilk knows how the technology works, Tilk's explanation is, no, I don't. Uh, it is forbidden to know how Gould magic works, and I and it's the the word magic that I thought was interesting because. It's not magic, right? We know that. We know it's just a highly, highly advanced technology. But forbidding any knowledge of that magic is obviously crucial to the Goulds maintaining their power and trying to keep the impression that they are, in fact, gods. Right. Yeah. Just so we call back to the last episode where they kill that woman who witnessed the snaky snake. It's just another way for them to 
just maintain, like they just limit the information that everyone else has. Right. No one can use that information against them. It immediately made me think of that famous Arthur C. Clarke quote where he says that any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And so that's exactly what they're dealing with here. So yeah, Tilk has no idea. He doesn't know how any of that works. Right. And we also find out in this meeting that um, the Go the Goa'uld, because that's how I pronounce it, actually, well, essentially Earth is where they first found humans. I mean, it makes sense, like humans being on other planets or whatnot. Essentially, Tilk calls the lost people or whatever, the Tauri. Yeah, the Tauri. Because Jack and Colonel Kennedy are like, yo, man, humans evolved on this planet. The go the Goolds came here first, and then Teal'c's like, what? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, because he, he explains that, uh, you know, as far as he knows, all of the, you know, the, the slaves that the, the Gould have, and, you know, they're the host bodies and everything, that they had been brought over to these other planets from that first original planet, that ancient planet. And then he mentions right. how they had actually lost contact with that planet long, long ago. And right. then, yeah, that's the revelation. They're like, well, humans evolved here. So this must be the lost planet. The Tauri. That's a great name. We also learn in this scene the proper spelling for Tilk's name. Jack makes sure to let us know that it includes an apostrophe. <laughs> T-E-A-L apostrophe, you see. Kennedy asks him, how can we possibly broker a peace with this species? You know, Tilk lays it down and says, look, the Gould have no need for peace. They don't want peace. They can just enslave you. And that's what they're going to do. And if they can't enslave you, then they'll just destroy you from orbit. He also confirms that uh, they do, in fact, have spaceships that can get to Earth. It's just that Earth is actually a really long ways away. And it's just, it'd take uh, you know months or years for the, the Gould ships to actually even get to Earth through space. So they're going to continue using the Stargate to try to take them out as long as they can. Right. So, yeah. So we get some good information from Tilk. We, we've find that uh, Colonel Kennedy is a bit of a tool, uh, I think, to no one's surprise or chagrin. <laughs> and he only gets toolier as we go as well. He's just doing his job, man. He's just doing his job. <laughs> but he doesn't have to be such an ass about it all the time. He's got his orders, bro. He's got his <laughs> orders. We transition back to Kowalski, back in the infirmary, finally getting that uh, that MRI. And sure enough, <laughs> Warner's looking at that thing going, what the fuck is wrapped around this dude's spinal column? And then he goes into the room. So let me ask you a question, Kill. If you were part of a top secret organization and you know exactly what the Gould are because you've been in briefings, you've been in meetings, you're a doctor for the wounded who come back from the missions where the Goa'uld are. So when you see a very snake-like, snaky snake wrapped around this dude's spinal column, why the hell does he not just call security immediately? I mean, I'm not saying that Kowalski's a dum-dum, but I'm sure as hell sure that he doesn't know how the hell an MRI works. So he could have just like been like, hey, uh, you need to stay in there for a few more minutes. Uh, I got to run some tests. And yeah. then he just. Oh, yeah, this is weird. Something's not working. Let me go call someone real quick. Yeah. And then he just like scoots back in his little office chair, picks up the phone and calls security. But no, he goes into the room with him. Like, he what does. are you doing? 
Well, and what's interesting, I guess we don't know exactly what he did, what happened after he goes into the room with Kowalski, because shortly after that, we just basically get a scene. Well, we do see that he uh, he does the glowy eye thing, you know, and that's when uh, finally it kicks off for for Doc and uh, the doctor leans over and hits the, the the red alarm button. Right. The, the condition red. We've got a problem. But then we just see Kowalski walking down the corridor, I guess. He didn't just immediately kill Dr. Warner like he did the other doctor. Yeah, I don't know. Why leave witnesses? He's not a very good, he's not a very good goal. He's not. He's really not. He starts running directly for the control room, starts kicking all the nerd ass he possibly can (laughs) up in the the control room for the gate, and then starts putting in the uh, Chevron sequence for the planet he wants to get to. Samantha comes up and tries to stop him, and he pushes her away. So she immediately jumps on the computer and closes all the blast doors and starts a lockdown procedure. Kowalski is uh, fighting like hell to try to get her away. Yeah, and then he takes her. He does. He, at that point, takes her hostage. Yeah, and then a couple people show up, and then he somehow backs into an elevator. And then, uh, <laughs> so this, the, the, this scene is kind of funny because they're in the elevator. Well, this part isn't funny. This, this is not funny. He throws Sam against the side of the elevator, which somehow knocks her out. I love how that's that's another one of my favorite like TV movie, you know, fight tropes. Like if I throw you against this wall just hard enough, no matter where your head actually was, you're going to be knocked out. Like I just I, I just watched it. She took the entire brunt of that with her back and was fine, but definitely had to slump down in the elevator like she was knocked out. Maybe she was just playing possum for sure. And then but before she before that happens, she actually hits the emergency stop. button. this is the humorous part to me. The scene cuts to, like, everyone standing in front of the elevator. We got some armed guards, the red klaxons going off. And then Daniel, in the most casual way, just kind of just drops a, somebody hit the emergency stop. Yeah, he's just standing there with his arms crossed, just chilling like, yeah, this is weird. Someone hit emergency stop. I don't know what's going on. Now, to be fair, he might be a little shaken because we didn't really talk about it, but right before the whole security thing goes down, he decides he's going to go take a nap and then finds a dead body. He does. Yeah, he finds that doctor. Maybe he's still in just a little shock. <laughs> I don't know, man. Again, he seems pretty chill for having just seen a dead body and then hears an alarm goes off and then goes to the elevator. And why is he even at the, end of the elevator? Is he Was he trying to jet? <laughs> like I, I he saw know, that body. He's like, I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Maybe he just smoked like a really fat joint. And he's just really cash right now. He's like, oh, shit, someone hit the emergency stop. <laughs> why do y'all guys all have guns? Oh, shit. What's going on? Like, <laughs> have some urgency. Yes. Have some urgency, Daniel. So they get the, the doors to the elevator open, and we've got uh, Kowalski is now kneeling in the floor next to to Sam. Let's get her some help. I don't know what's going on. I blacked out again. It's all crazy. But of course, you know, obviously at, at this point, we all know it's a, it's a Gould. So we cut to him back in the infirmary. They got him strapped into this kind of odd, like vertically rotating bed, it seems. Yeah, I actually wrote down, I really like this prop. It looks like the basis for what like a zero G like training thing would be like it spins really fast while you're in it. But I'm just not sure like exactly what's going on, but it looks really rad. It so does look cool. And I, part of me wonders if the only reason they really had it was because they needed to one, have him strapped into a bed for the scene and two, have him still be able to actually talk and interact with the other actors in the scene. 
Right. And so right. it's like, okay, well, we'll, we'll let's put him in a bed, but stand him up and cut a hole for his face. Because that's how the, the producers of the show talked, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, you see? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so my favorite part of this scene is actually Kowalski. With, with this guy's, the actor's name in real life is Jay Akavone or oh, Akavone. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I don't know about you, but the second they tell him that he's got a go old in him, he just starts chewing up the scenery. Oh, like, yeah, he does. I don't know how people can somehow get themselves to cry on command. I at least got to watch one or two commercials about people with with dad issues. But this dude just starts going off like he's acting his ass off. He is. He he absolutely is, man. He is selling it so hard that he is scared to death that he has got a snaky snake all wrapped up in his head. Essentially, they provoke the Goul to come out and he just uh, he just has a fantastic line it just says release me now or i will destroy you <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. like what are you going to do you're strapped in this bed you're surrounded by armed guards you're not getting out of this place alive no matter what you do nah fam just typical uh gould arrogance right yeah well and we also find out that or at least we suspect that the the gould that happens to be living inside of kowalski at this point is likely a a, a young one an immature gould that uh, wasn't quite ready to take on a host and that's why for whatever reason it can't seem to take control of kowalski's body full time right you know kowalski still has control at some points yeah, and we talked about it a little bit at the end of the last episode where in the the cut of the pilot episodes, you don't you actually get to see it in the original versions. Like he gets he like they fight, they're fighting some Jaffa. He's like standing next to one or something and then one jumps into it. And so and we know that Jaffa carry infant larva go old. You don't get to see it if you're watching it on Amazon Prime, but we do find out that is a infant go old essentially well and that is kind of an interesting way to cut it right so i guess it technically would leave the uh, a new viewer in a little bit of suspense you know during the first part of that right. episode like oh what's going on with kowalski why has he got a headache you know why does he keep rubbing the back of his head a little bit yeah i gotcha you know then they're talking about uh, what they're gonna do you know how can we get this thing out of him what i thought was interesting is one of the things they do is they basically put Kowalski on like a shit ton of uppers to try to keep him awake <laughs> so that uh, he can try to keep control and, and, and uh, you know, keep the, the ghoul from taking control of his body. Because it seems like that's what happened anytime he kind of like passes out or gets tired, the ghoul takes over. Anytime he's in a, he does anything for the pain, I guess, because they t- they say that they want to remove him from the pain medications. So yeah, to increase his alertness. Yeah. So uh, after this, we get uh, General Hammond, uh, Colonel Kennedy, and Jack, the big three, all heading down to uh, the cell where they're keeping Teal'c. They explain what's going on with Kowalski. Kennedy's basically most curious to see if the ghoul that is supposedly living inside of Tilk is actually still there. I guess he thinks that that maybe Tilk's ghoul jumped out and that's what took over Kowalski. It's a pretty neat scene. <laughs> I still love how like it's obviously fake little tummy pouch thing, <laughs> which I, at some point the producers of the show just don't even show it later on. They just have... Whoever wants to show off their little tummy snake, they just like they shoot over their shoulder 
With oh, yeah, like get some sort shirt. of like a side profile or something. Yeah. Yeah. But you get to see Jack recoil in disgust. He like, does. Oh. He he thinks it is the grossest thing he's ever seen. I'm just like, <laughs> I mean, dude, Tilk's got to live with this, man. Come on. You know, be chill about it. Yeah. Have some respect for his culture. Okay, Jack. But of course, we do find out that Tilk's uh, snaky snake is still in his tum-tum and that that is not the one that has apparently taken over Kowalski. So we do head back over to the infirmary. But before that, uh, Tilk does explain that if they try to take the Gould out of Kowalski, it will most likely kill him in the process. Like the yeah. Gould itself will kill Kowalski. Yeah, if, if uh, he can't have him, nobody can. He's going to go home with his toys. So they get back to the infirmary, and now they uh, they want to try to talk to this thing, maybe see if they can negotiate or reason with it in some way. Uh, I don't know if they put Kowalski out or if he just kind of passes out on his own, but uh, as soon as he does, the Gould wakes up. We learn that its uh, its name is Cree, I guess. The Gould Cree, which was an interesting little bit of information they threw in there that never comes up ever again. <laughs> like They never call him by that name ever again. It's always just Kowalski or the Gould. I think I jumped on this scene a little bit. I might have stepped on this corner when I talked about, he says, release me now or I will destroy you. I probably should have waited to drop that in. Sorry. Oh, no, no. I mean, it, it, they cut back and forth a lot between uh, this scene and, and other little ones. But uh, but yeah, so he is just, uh, his heart's racing. He's thrashing around the uh, the weird rotating bed that they still have him strapped into. And uh, they've got Tilk there with them. You know, maybe Tilk can give them some information. But as soon as the Gould wakes up, he immediately says, I will not speak with the traitor. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so we know he's not going to talk to Tilk. He immediately talks to, to Hammond, asks him if uh, you're the leader. And Hammond's just, yeah, 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 I'm the leader. I'm the one in charge here. What you want? And this is kind of um, almost frantic, the way this conversation progresses, because like, Hammond is a particularly cool-headed individual. We see it a lot later on, but he's he's very calm and cool under pressure. But the way this dude is shouting at him, like you can really tell that Hammond's struggling to maintain his composure. He's like, "Do not attempt to escape," and the dude just rips his bonds apart. He's like, "He oh, does, shit. <laughs> yeah." That's those straps, I guess, weren't holding him very well because he he rips an arm right out of there and uh, starts thrashing around some more. And Hammond calls in some more soldiers to to surround him. Um, and I mean, they're ready to shoot his ass. And, and about that time, the Gould goes back to sleep and uh, Kowalski wakes back up. This scene actually brings an interesting question to the front. So, ha- okay. So we know that Teal'c, by virtue of having the, the Gould in his tum-tum, is granted enhanced speed and strength, fighting skills, and longer life, right? Right. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely a buff. So... My question is, is Kowalski already that strong or is he only that strong when the Gowalds off cooldown? I think I think the second one. Yeah, I think when the when the Gowalds off cooldown, when he pops back up, it's only then that he seems to have this like crazy strength that uh, he brings to the table, but literally or brings off the table at that point. But but he like you don't just become stronger. You know what I'm saying? Like, how does that work? If you were I mean, well, whatever. I just want to know, how is that possible? <laughs> because it, that's, it must be TV magic. 
You know what it I mean? must be TV magic. It's definitely TV magic. I mean, at least in my head canon, I have to think, you know, okay, this thing is like wrapped around the spinal cord. It has access to Kowalski's brain and bodily functions. Maybe this thing somehow knows how to like just make Kowalski's body dump massive amounts of adrenaline and, and uh, you know, growth hormones or whatever all at once that gives him that those sudden bursts of speed and strength. I can't subscribe to that theory. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> I'm going out of the limb. I'm reaching for straws here. That's fair. That's fair. I'm just going to say that Kowalski's always that strong. He just doesn't know he's that strong. You know, you're right. He's got the snaky snaky in his head. He is that strong. And strong at acting. Again, just an A-plus performance from Jay. Really killing it, you know, switching back and forth between very sad, very scared Kowalski and a very angry Gould. Definitely A plus, in my opinion. We cut back over to a briefing room. They're all sitting around. I say all of them sitting around. We've got the whole SG team, including Tilkin there. We've got Hammond. We've got Colonel Kennedy. And they're basically, oh, and Doc Warner in there as well. And they're trying to decide what the hell to do. You know, we got a soldier that has an alien that has taken over its body. We've got to do something about this. You know, and the doc thinks that they only have maybe a 11 to 12 percent chance of survival in removing the thing. And that doesn't even include the possibility that he's probably going to be a quadriplegic the rest of his life. Not great odds, but not the best. Not the best. You're You're saying saying there's there's a chance. (laughs) Of course, Kennedy is being, you know, kind of a dick. And his only concern is uh, that he wants to study this thing. He wants it out, doesn't really care how it comes out, but he wants to see what they can learn from it. You know, Hammond steps in saying, uh, no, Kennedy tries to pull a card and say, I'm just going to go to my superiors about this then, (laughs) which uh, Hammond responds, well, fine, I'll just go talk to the president, you asshole. I got a red phone and it goes one place. (laughs) (laughs) This is a great scene. This is what I like to call... Papa Hammond. This is. This is an absolute Papa Hammond moment. I, I like General Hammond for a lot of reasons, especially later on in the show, but he really just shows that he really cares about the people under his command. Essentially, he was set to retire. He was going to retire, and then the SGC popped up and he stayed on. He he wants to do everything possible to make sure that his people are in safe hands. I mean, he doesn't really appreciate or want to put them in danger. I mean, he does because that's his job. But you can really tell that he cares. So He does, yeah. This is a Papa Hammond moment. That's what I call it. So. <laughs> well, after this little scene in the uh, the briefing room, of course, we go back to the infirmary. Doc Warner is uh, is doing a little experiment here. He's got Tilk laid out on a table. They are testing to see if uh, some sort of an anesthesia could work to possibly help shut down the Gould long enough for them to get it out of Kowalski without killing him. Yeah. They've got Teal'c's uh, snaky snake out of his tum-tum pouch and then clamped into some device, and I guess they're feeding it and him some sort of anesthesia and asking Teal'c, and he's like, oh, is it making it sleep more? Is this, you know, is this having an effect What's interesting, though, is we, we do learn a little bit of lore here that kind of becomes important later and it even gets retconned slightly toward uh, uh, sometime later as well. But that the Jaffa are not able to directly communicate with the ghoul that live inside them. I guess their little tummy pouch has some kind of firewall set up. It's got some very strict uh, nat rules. So <laughs> communication, you know, doesn't really go both ways. Yeah. The next scene, actually, I, I really kind of like... 
we get back over to Jack and Kowalski. They're now having a, a little conversation on uh, Kowalski's bedside. And in this scene, Jack literally is sitting backwards in a chair, by the way. <laughs> I didn't notice. I didn't yeah, notice no, he's absolutely sitting backwards in a chair, like leaning on the back of the chair, talking to Kowalski. And uh, Kowalski's oh, trying to have like a serious conversation with Jack, trying to explain like, hey, if shit goes sideways, these are kind of like my last wishes. You know, I I, I want to be cremated and all this. And then <laughs> Jack keeps doing that thing. He's like, oh, no, don't say that. This isn't our last conversation. You're going to be fine. This is no big deal. You'll be great, which, you know, is very much on character for O'Neill. But uh, uh, just one of those things like I hate, like, you know, the character trying to have like a serious conversation or anyone trying to have like a serious conversation and, and the person they're talking to just playing it off like, no, 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 it's going to be fine. Like, I get what you're doing, trying to be reassuring. But uh, this dude's like, no, I got some shit that you need to handle that needs to be taken care of. I feel personally attacked by that statement. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair enough. Fair enough. I'm sure I've done the same to you. <laughs> Look, man, we all deal with grief differently, okay? He just wants his stereo. He does. Well, that's, yeah, that's the best part is he, he finally, Jack finally looks like he's going to get serious with Kowalski for a second. And then he says, you know, hey, if uh, if this does go sideways, can I have your stereo? Yeah. <laughs> Got to jam some tunes to honor my dead friend. <laughs> so this show came out, what do we agree on, 1997? Yeah. Now, when Jack's asking for a stereo, is he talking like a boombox? I have to believe it was one of those like home stereo setups with like the multi racks. You know, you got the cassette deck on bottom. You've got the eight track player in there. You've got an AM FM radio, the vinyl player on top going out to two, you know, six foot tall speakers. Have I ever showed you my dad's stereo setup? I'll take pictures of it the next time I see it. But he still has a reel to reel for audio oh snap <laughs> god does he have any uh albums on reel to reel though oh yeah definitely yeah i bet my that dad, sounds amazing my dad still thinks it's 1965 uh <laughs> so the uh the surgery starts up we're gonna we're finally gonna try to get this thing out of kowalski's head we get a little bit of a uh a surgery montage so to speak well before we even get to that you know, Kowalski is is obviously very scared. Hammond is there and he asked General Hammond, hey, if if this doesn't go well, I want you to make the call. Put me down because I either want to wake up as me or not at all. Damn. Which I thought That's was rough. a pretty powerful line. But yeah, we get a little bit of a surgery montage here, complete with ticking red LED clock, <laughs> you know, Start sweat the on the doctor's brow. <laughs> There's a really funny moment where dude hands the nurse next to him some tools and she kind of fumbles them because <laughs> she just like she literally fumbles them which in a hospital environment would would probably involve someone getting a scalpel to the neck <laughs> well speaking of to the neck this whole surgery kicks off with them injecting the world's biggest syringe of <laughs> anesthesia directly into the back of kowalski's neck I think I have one of those to baste turkeys. I think that's what I got one of those for. I, I can't imagine there is an actual medical device in this world that it looks like this syringe that they shove into the back of his neck. Uh, I mean, they are. They're just for horses. <laughs> not Kowalski's. Yeah, not Kowalski's. <laughs> uh, All right. The surgery seems to be going fairly well. At this point, he's uh, he's going in for the kill. 
they they've got uh, they've got Kowalski all opened up. They can see the the symbiote inside of him, and he is going to attempt to actually cut this snaky snake out of Kowalski and see how that goes. But uh, it doesn't go super well. As soon as he actually goes to make the first cut, we see Kowalski kind of convulse for a second and then immediately kind of die back down. And then Hammond's like, what happened? The doc's like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, what do you think I did? Wasn't me, guys. I'm not the one digging around in the back of this guy's neck. So couldn't have been me at all whatsoever. (laughs) Now, what's interesting here, I thought, was also their uh, choice of how they wanted to show this scene happening. Because they, I guess they wanted to, to show, represent, you know, hey, they're taking this thing out of Kowalski. But instead of actually giving us like a in-camera special effect of him doing this, and I can understand why the angle's kind of weird, you know, it'd be kind of an awkward shot anyway. So instead, we get a screen, a CGI'd screen showing <laughs> some some medical tools going in and actually doing the cuts. I guess that represented like some sort of a real time scan of what was going on inside the patient. I think it was called the VR medical assistant. So the dog goes in, he cuts a piece of the gould. We do still see that he leaves some in that thing, but we cut to him pulling out the, the snaky snake, just pulling him out of the back of Kowalski's neck. And there's a great scene or part of this scene. There's a great shot where he's pulling it out. And as it comes up, one of the assistants or a nurse or someone sitting next to the doctor, it's just got this like wide eye look of terror as he pulls this thing out of Kowalski's neck. What the hell is that? What the fuck is that, man? (laughs) And it's actually, it's kind of big. It's bigger than I thought it was going to be. You know, what they pull out and throw into a little tray that they show off to the camera for a second. Uh, And it seems all went well. It seems that uh, they got the snaky snake out of Kowalski. And, uh, you know, maybe he's actually going to be okay because we cut to Kowalski waking up. Doc asks if he can like move his fingers and toes and it seems like he's not paralyzed or anything like that. And everything seems like it's good. Yay. (laughs) Starting to wrap up, we uh, head back to Colonel Kennedy is in General Hammond's office and uh, I guess he's trying to lay down his dick or something. He's trying to pull rank on General Hammond. He says that uh, he's going to be leaving. He's going to be taking the gold with him and also Tilk. Not Tilk. Not no. Tilk. You can't take Tilk, man. Come on. Again, just being an ass about it. Yeah. <laughs> the way this conversation kind of plays out, uh, which is really interesting to me, that even in the military, people can absolutely despise their boss and coworkers. Because the way that Kennedy and Hammond are talking to each other is like, yeah, I got my orders and I'm taking him. And then Hammond's like, you do that, bro. Uh, <laughs> yeah, good luck <laughs> like, with that. Yeah, I, I can only imagine like some dude comes into the office and he's like, hey, I got to I got to take this. And you're just like, you know what? Take it. I don't care. Like, it's essentially what's going on with these two guys is just two people who there's no love lost. It's obvious the way Hammond feels about Kennedy after that meeting where he just straight up asks him, like, what kind of officer are you? He's kind of sickened by Kennedy. Like, he really he doesn't is. respect him. He doesn't appreciate the value of life the way that Hammond does. A really, really fun scene. Head back over to the infirmary. Daniel's there with uh, Jack, and <laughs> that was pretty funny. He's like, you know, hey, they're going to be taking the uh, the gould they pulled out of you, uh, you know, back to study. Do you uh, do you want to see it? <laughs> <laughs> do you do you have your tonsils? I do. Yeah, I, I have my tonsils, so I never got to I never got to see them in a jar. So I can only imagine that Kowalski's like, no, I don't want to see that shit. Get it away from me. <laughs> 
Sam also comes busting in the door and tells Daniel and Jack what's going down with Teal'c, that the Kennedy's planning on uh, taking him back to the Pentagon to be studied. He got, I guess he got approval from someone that has a little bit more pull than Hammond, and he's, uh, it pisses Jack off. And he just goes like, what's going on? And he leaves. And, and then I think it's just Sam and Kowalski. And then he says, uh, I want to talk to uh, Teal. You know, he saved my life. I want to holler at him. Yeah, which seems like, a, you know, a totally appropriate thing. Like, you know, this guy literally came to my rescue in a way and, and helped out and made it possible for me to get this uh, this thing out of my neck. I'd like to give him a, a personal thank you, even though he's being you know still kind of held prisoner in this facility. Right. I agree with that. But then things start to get a little fishy, right? They bring in Teal'c. He's He's got the guards here. And uh, <laughs> what I really love about this is, uh, you know, Teal'c comes in and shakes his hand. And then he's like, yeah, I, w- I want to talk to my friend alone for a little bit. He's telling the two guards that brought Teal'c in, like, hey, why don't you guys scram? Take a hike, buster. <laughs> Which I can't see actually happening, right? I mean, the whole point of those two guards is to be there to, you know, make sure Teal'c doesn't do something something crazy and starts, you know, trying to take down the SGC. But the guards are just like, all right, yeah, that sounds legit. We'll, we'll see you outside. Well, I mean, I'm just going to assume that Kowalski outranks them, which is why he says, do I have to make it an order? Oh, fair enough. Yeah, that is true. He does basically order them at that point to get out. Yeah. So, But again, things looking uh, just a little bit fishy here. You know, why does he want to talk to him uh, alone? And the second the guards are out of the room, we get the glowy eyes. Yeah, he does this really wicked double take where he kind of like glances off towards his feet and then snaps his head back, full glowy eye syndrome, and then just grabs Teal'c by the neck. And it's like, damn! Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, grabs Teal'c by the neck, starts choking him out. He explains that what they removed was only a dead husk. I have already become one with the host. <laughs> I just want to point out, Christopher Judge does not have a very good strangly face. yeah it's just like he's like when you like shove your chin down into the bottom of your neck kind of make your head look like a thumb and when i wrote that i immediately thought to myself but who looks good getting strangled that's a good point i I can't imagine anyone really does yeah my favorite part of the scene is that after he chokes out teal he comes bounding out of uh the infirmary and then those two guards are standing there dude straight up throat chops one of the guards (laughs) And then he he kicks the other guy right in the face after the dude's laying on the ground, which is kind of funny because he's wearing like those little hospital slippers. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, those little paper slippers. (laughs) Yeah, that barely have like enough coverage so you can walk on anything that's not, you know, tile. Uh, And he just like just straight kicks one of the dudes in the face with it. It's like, damn, (laughs) dude's a straight up warrior now. He breaks the airman's arm, like the guy at the, that usually does all the controlly stuff. Incoming oh, yeah. traveler. That guy. Sergeant uh, Walter Harriman. Yeah, he just straight breaks this dude's arm. It's just like, rude. That's that's his <laughs> job. He types, man. Like, he doesn't have any fallback skills. You're taking his one job away from him at this point. Damn it, Kowalski. Have some respect. Yeah, so Kowalski does that thing again where he uh, he storms the control room above the gate room breaks Harriman's arm, starts putting in the the Chevron sequence again because he's trying to get out of there. And I guess, you know, uh, to the SGC's credit, anytime someone's trying to open the gate, alarms just go off. Yeah, which is another thing that's kind of funny about being in the Cheyenne Mountain Complex. Every single time that the gate gets activated, 
everybody in NORAD has to find out, right? Oh, I guess so. Unless, you know, they keep the, there's like an air gap <laughs> between the alarm systems of the SGC and NORAD. These are the questions, man. I know. These are the ones we need answers to. You know, I guess he didn't hurt Tilk too bad because uh, Tilk comes out, sees the guards laying on the floor. So Tilk starts taking off like he's like, oh, man, I got to stop this. I got to do something. Right. Kowalski walks into the gate room to find Tilk standing on the ramp between him and the gate in yeah. that like Jaffa pose, ready to fucking take this guy down. Legs astride, just Really trying to take up as much room as possible. We get a, a fight scene. Kowalski makes a lunge for Tilk. The auto-destruct uh, alarms are going off. Everything is going crazy. Hammond and Jack are in the control room trying to turn off the auto-destruct sequence while Tilk's down here fighting with this ghoul. <laughs> the fight scene, it's, just, it's a lot of choking, a lot of face touching, but Kowalski is trying to get through the gate and Tilk's trying to, to keep him from being able to do that. He, he sticks his head in and Tilk pulls him out. This fight scene kind of reminded me of like really crappy Star Trek fighting. So if you watch any like fight scenes with Jim Kirk in it, William Shatner, Jim Kirk, he just kind of hugs. It is. Yeah, you're right. It's a lot of hugging. It's a lot of grappling, you know, a lot of yeah. swaying back and forth and not actually accomplishing anything. Now, I can understand if you're if you're a ground pounder, you know, you trying to establish some leverage and so you can get the other person on the ground so you can go start throwing some elbows or some fists. But I, I don't see a single blow thrown in this entire scuffle. Yeah, no, it, it's all very uh, it's not a whole lot of ground and pound. It's just a lot of a lot of hugging. Yeah. So Tilk is trying to keep him Kowalski from going through the gate and Kowalski's got the back of his head through the event horizon. Jack sees it and tells him, you know, hold him there, hold him there. Right when his head is in just the right position, Jack orders the gate to get shut down. And then <laughs> I wrote in here that if Arnold Schwarzenegger had been playing Teal, he totally like after Kowalski, like his eyes go wide and he goes limp and he falls over and you realize that half of his skull is missing. He totally would have dropped reintegrate this. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Just like some crappy one-liner. Like, thanks. I wish, I wish that would have been there. <laughs> so, yeah, Kowalski ends up with um, part of his head, including uh, the, the part of his brain, I guess, where the ghoul was embedded. That is just gone. That went into the gate, and when they shut it off, it did not come back. <laughs> R.I.P. Kowalski, man. Yeah, and the, I guess part of the gold like, falls onto the ground and then just deflates. And then we didn't talk about it. We can touch on it a little bit, but... Uh, when Hammond and Jack show up and then they realize that the self-destruct is on and then he's like, what's the what's the code to disarm the self-destruct? And Hammond's like, I don't know, but I need another officer for the override. And then they both start doing movie typing. Yes. Where they just do literally where they just start going. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> matter what what keys they're hitting. Yeah. <laughs> it's all just gibberish. They're just punching at buttons. What we talked about earlier a little bit, I guess, uh, this is where the this is the conversation where Sam and Daniel talk about something of the host must survive because that's the only way that Kowalski would know how to set the self-destruct. You know, even though the Gould said, you know, nothing survives, that they take over the host completely, that may not be entirely true. I mean, how else would he have known that, you know, the self-destruct sequence code? And we also we kind of uh, skipped over this a little bit earlier, but uh, one of the things we also learned about the Gould that is kind of important to the lore is that... Every ghoul is born 
with the knowledge of the Gould that came before it. Yeah. That they have some sort of genetic memory that gets handed down through every generation. Like how do deer know how to be a deer? You know what I mean? Like, how do, how do, are, are you saying how to deer deer? Yeah. <laughs> humans are like, when we're born, we don't know anything, right? We're taught how to be a human. Whereas these, we learn everything from other humans, but go old or just born as smart as they need to be because they know everything. Yeah, they already know everything. So my question is, is how do they pass that knowledge forward? At what point does the knowledge not become new? I mean, we learn a little bit about how gold come into being in a couple episodes, but it, it really made me stop and think, like if this Kowalski gold learns how to use the self-destruct sequence and he escapes, how does he pass that information on to other gold? Like, does he just tell them? And do those go old just know it? And so if they have little baby go olds, do they know how to use the SGC self-destruct system? I don't know, man. Those are the questions. Yet again, the questions we desperately need answers to. I mean, it's the second episode. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to get some more answers, guys. Don't worry. We're just kicking this thing off. I, yeah. I mean, I, honestly, though, I'm, I didn't realize how much of the Gould lore is built in this episode. I mean, it seems like it's almost kind of the purpose of this episode was to kind of teach us more about yeah. how the Gould work, because it all becomes very relevant later on. I think like the first 15 episodes of this show spend a lot of time world building, and that's okay because I like world building. But the first three episodes, just it's just a big info dump, which is neat. Again, you know, R.I.P. Kowalski. We barely knew you. Actually, I am legitimately sad. I had completely forgotten going into this episode that Kowalski dies in it. Really? Yeah, I was looking forward to, you know, some more interaction with Kowalski and Jack. But uh, again, just completely forgot. And that's why I'm so glad we're kind of going back and watching this again. Get, bring it all fresh into my mind again. But uh, yeah, I was actually legitimately sad. You know, when they killed Kowalski, I was like, did they really just kill Kowalski? Is that it? He's done? <laughs> well, I mean, he's not done, but he's done. He's done. We cut back in Colonel Hammond. I'm sorry, General Hammond's office. I almost did it did again. It keep demoting the guy. Damn. We cut to a shot of General Hammond with the biggest shit-eating grin on his face <laughs> while talking on that, that red phone that only goes one place. Right to the president. <laughs> he's talking, he's like, uh, yeah, no, I think that sounds great, sir. Yeah, I tell you what, you can tell him yourself. He's right here. And Hammond hands the phone over to Colonel Kennedy, who I guess proceeds to get a bit of a dressing down by the president of the United States of America at that point. <laughs> My favorite part, he's like, you come on down, come on down. We'll have, we'll, we'll have you. you can, yeah, we'll, have we'll, a, we'll show you around. We'll have a hell of a time. It, it was very good old boy of him. Well, he, we find out later that he is Hammond. Of Texas. He is Hammond of Texas. He is, in fact, a good old boy. The show kind of buttons up and we sign off with uh, Hammond sending the SG-1 team to P-3757 and in walks Teal'c in straight up full battle rattle holding his staff weapon. Yeah, and they get a, a cool shot of them walking all four of them in a line into the wormhole. And so we now have SG-1, the team. This is our first shot, essentially, of the fully formed SG-1 team. So, uh, Kel, did you like this episode? I did like this episode. I liked this episode a lot. It Again, you know, I, I had forgotten Kowalski dies, so that was kind of uh, still a bit of a uh, a surprise to me, which was nice. Again, it lays out a lot of the lore about the Gould going into everything, um, which is going to be important. 
it was interesting to me also that this episode takes place entirely on Earth and, and for the most part, entirely within the SGC. It was essentially a bottle episode. Yeah, uh, it's our first. Well, I mean, it's our first episode outside of the pilot, but it's one of the few episodes that doesn't take place off Earth. Like it's off planet. How the hell would you describe it? Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, off planet. No, I think that's yeah. what, I, that, that sums it up. Yeah. I like this episode enough. I mean, I've seen it enough times. There's obviously some problems with the continuity. But again, it's a second episode. I can't be too critical of a show that just fucking released. Yeah, it's still trying to figure itself out at this point, let alone, you know, what they're going to do going forward. Yeah. So, I mean, any criticisms that I might have had can easily be excused in terms of how the continuity works. I did have a question for you. Hit me. So in the beginning... When Kowalski does his first little, oh, my head hurts, so I have to rub my neck kind of thing. He says, I took a fistful of aspirin. <laughs> so is a fist an official measurement? Yeah. How many aspirin is a fistful of aspirin? I mean, I've got I've got average sized hands, but there's some dudes out there who've got some big old chonkers. Is my fist of aspirin smaller than their fist of aspirin? Or is there like, is fist like a measurement a cup and a half <laughs> like is there an official increment of uh, a fistful so in the olden days sometimes men and women were described as a, a full head taller than other people this is another one of those things like whose head <laughs> which which head are we using to measure this this is yeah. why we have departments of standards and weights and measurements yeah it, is how many milliliters is it kowalski Give it to me. Yeah, that's my only. Re- <laughs> that's my only. <laughs> that, that was question. it. That was your one. <laughs> that's what I was going to do every single episode. I'm going to ask you a question about all right something that happens in the episode. How about that? I like it. That sounds great. So yeah, our next episode is going to be emancipation while exploring a world populated by Mongol descendants. Captain Carter is is, is abducted as a wife of a local warlord. Now. That is the episode description as it stands on IMDb. However, <laughs> I was about to say, that's not the episode description that I wrote down. If you were on Amazon Prime, Emancipation is described as Captain Samantha Carter, Amanda Tapping, fights for equality and true love on a planet where women are treated as property. Uh, yeah, interesting episode coming up. I'm actually kind of looking forward to this one. It, it, we get to see uh, Amanda Tapping and Samantha Carter kind of flex her muscles a little bit, so to speak. If you enjoy this show, if you enjoy listening to us talking about this amazing uh, sci-fi program, please do us a big favor and head over to iTunes and, uh, you know, give us that sweet, sweet five-star review. That would be amazing. And if you have any suggestions or you just want to tell me a shitty joke, you can email me at podcastsgfun at gmail.com. You can tweet at me. We are at podcastsgfun. Like we said earlier, my name is Chris. I'm Kel. Kel. He's Kel. I'm Kel. Again, hope you enjoyed the episode. And hey, we'll catch you on the other side of the gate next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.